It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History puddle. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambler's not your problem. You're just an idiot. It is another edition of Full Slate, a podcast by Degenerates for Degenerates. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me on gambling Twitter at undercover Greg at G underscore Frank six for the rest of my shenanigans on the little bird app, as I still call it. We bring on my partner in crime for our penultimate NFL season edition of the podcast, as we have just three games left. Been doing it every week with my guy Alex Uplinger at full underscore slate underscore pod manages our podcast account at Alex underscore up seven. Alex, always good to talk, my man. Again, as we say, us diehards, it's kind of mixed emotions these times of year, but here we are, championship Sunday. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. And then, you know, the dreading of next week will roll around come Sunday night, the Sunday scaries, and then you realize there's there's no football next week unless, you know, not even I can watch the Pro Bowl in its current format as yeah, flag football I, I, skills. I'll be honest, like, I'm a baseball guy. I barely even watch the baseball all-star game, and that's the one everyone says is, like, the most watchable. Yeah, I think they're honestly all pretty bad. Like, the NBA, all for their own reasons. You know, the NBA, zero defense. There's totals of, like, 400 Well, and points. now, what's it, the Elam ending that they have in the NBA game where – I don't even know how it works because I don't watch it, but they're trying to like change the rules to make it competitive. But oh, uh, where they they like have to get to a certain amount. It's like a target score up. or something. Yeah, yeah. At least baseball kind of replicates actually the game. You know, even though it's like everyone gets one at bat, at least it's relatively competitive still. You know, uh, you know the other thing with the baseball thing, which honestly, I think we almost had this last year. They just added the home run derby and extra innings if to break a tie. Um, I would kind of like to see – like, I would tune in just for that, but not to watch the first Yeah, time. I think that that would be fun. I do remember it was super close because I was sweating the under, and it was <laughs> right there. I think it was so like seven and a half. And they don't play any extras. If it's nine tied after nine, they would go to the home run derby? Yeah, I believe so, which I okay. think is super exciting. Yeah, that'd be cool. But yeah, <laughs> the dreaded uh, Pro Bowl and NHL, NBA hit their All Star breaks coming up here, so it's definitely a. It goes from an exciting time with the NFL playoffs to a boring time really fast, which, as we were saying, is a good time to kind of uh, pivot to the movie TV realm. And uh, Oscar nominees are out, so the uh, you know, if you are into binging the nominees like we are, you can kind of fire that up in the month of February. And uh, we were both saying it just feels like there's a lot more good TV shows out there to stream. And uh, so, you know, you, you can find something if you're bored, I'm sure. Yeah, maybe read a book. We could become like a book club <laughs> podcast in the wow. off season. That's a pivot. That would be, yeah, that'd be a, like, I don't know if you can get. Like, I guess mathematically, you can't do more than a 180, but that's what that would be. If whatever. 
Anyway, uh, enough shenanigans. Let's get to these two games. We'll keep it short and sweet today. Obviously, you only have two games, and I'm um, not going to profess to uh, break down every defensive tackle versus guard matchup in each of these games. So with that, let's just jump into the side and total on both in the AFC in Charm City. The Kansas City Chiefs are a now four-point underdog traveling to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Total is sitting at 44 and a half. Some varying opinions on the side. I'll be honest, like this is not a strong position of mine, but I'm kind of just playing the trends on Kansas City. Uh, You're getting Mahomes as a dog, uh, and that trend where he is now a favorite of two and a half or less or a dog improved to 21-8-1 ATS uh, for Mahomes. It proved they could win on the road in a hostile Buffalo environment. So I think, you know, obviously – kind of passed that test already. Um, Action Network currently giving the Chiefs 48% of the bets. Worth noting that when Mahomes' teams are receiving less than 50% of the bets, they are 14-7 and seven ATS. Uh, so I'm maybe, and, and you really shouldn't do this, like the games are independent events, obviously, but I'm kind of kicking myself over not, getting there with the Chiefs last week in a very similar spot. They were uh, shorter dogs against Buffalo. Um, But all this stuff would have applied. And, of course, they win the game outright. I also want to say this, though. Now that we see the game up over the key number of three, I can't believe that we've gotten to this point, but I'm just kind of blindly trusting the Kansas City defense. And I think anytime you can get a good defense at a plus number, particularly when it's north of three, it's certainly worth the investment. Um, when you think about last week, they held Josh Allen and that Buffalo offense, which we could probably argue. And I think statistically we'd be backed by saying just Buffalo's offense is better than Baltimore's. They held Buffalo to 368 total yards and just 4.7 yards per play. And the Ravens, excuse me, the Bills ran 78 plays to Kansas City's 47. So a lot of the possession numbers favoring Buffalo, and yet it's Kansas City that wins a road playoff game, having lost the turnover battle because they also coughed up a touchdown. I think it was Mikael Hardman fumbling through the end zone to give the Bills the touchback. So all of that goes against them. And Kansas City finds a way to win. If there's a defensive coordinator that could find a way to slow down Lamar Jackson, I have to think it would be Steve Spagnuolo. Um, Not totally sold that beating the Texans uh, last week is a total, you know, 180 since we just said it on Lamar in the playoffs. You know, I, I still think this is really the big test for him in terms of conquering the playoff demons. And listen, like they could win uh, by less than this number, too. Like, I, I feel like Baltimore is good enough to win a variety of ways. In other words, like this isn't a fade or a disrespect to Baltimore. It's more so just I feel like at this number, you have to play Kansas City to at least cover. Um, and that's what I'm doing. I will say this. If you are. Uh, you know, fishing for some prices and want to sprinkle some alt lines. I think if this game gets out of hand, far more likely it is so in favor of Baltimore, because that's another thing that I say this a lot during the regular season 
about, you know, fading teams at the top of the market. And I've always felt that way with the Ravens where, you know, are, are they just head and shoulders above the rest of the NFL? Because I think that was the conversation after they beat San Francisco in, at the end of the regular season. And sure enough, the following week, I'm like, OK, I'm going to bet Miami. And obviously I got bent over in that game at the end of the regular season. And then they clinched the number one seed that week. So they didn't have to play anybody against Pittsburgh a couple of weeks off. And then they cover and win going away against Houston last week, although they didn't cover the first half line for me, not that I'm bitter about it. Uh, so here I am again, just finding myself saying, well, we've reached the top of the market on the Ravens, which is also why I'm just backing Kansas City at this number. And yet, if Baltimore won the game by two scores, it wouldn't shock me because maybe they are just that much better. So if you wanted to, you know, price hunt a little bit and take like an alt line on the Ravens minus nine and a half, something like that. Like I would understand it. Ravens minus 10, 10 and a half, because I do think maybe I'm wrong here. Like maybe we don't know what the top of the market is for the Ravens because they're so much better than everybody else. If you price a team, even within four of them, they'll still kick their ass. But I'm going to draw the line in the sand and say that given Pat Mahomes, four points is too much. So I like the Chiefs. Uh, but you're on the other side. Yeah, I think those are all fair points. I did see an interesting trend that in the 11 games, Mahomes has been a dog. He's 11-0 and 0 to six-point teasers. I think at four, this is probably another another good spot to tease it up to 10. It's interesting, yeah, though, because that goes against what I was just saying. Like, you don't think exactly they're able to you, blow them out. Right, but, you know, this, this might just be a, a – bad matchup but i i think it could uh be a double digit win for baltimore i just think that was interesting that he hasn't lost as a six point tease i just think baltimore is a significantly the better team i don't think the chiefs have really seen an offense like this obviously allen super mobile as well they just couldn't really get the game going that they wanted to. He didn't have a rush or a pass over 20 yards. I think that speaks to how solid the Chiefs defense has been playing. One major concern I would have for Kansas City is Joan Thune, their starting guard, did not practice today. He's graded on PFF as the best guard in the NFL. So that's obviously a massive part of their success. Now without him, I think Pacheco could struggle which is not going to help, you know, their passing attack. That's now going up against the Baltimore secondary, which is ranked first in the NFL. And they might be getting back Marlon Humphrey, who's an all-pro caliber defensive back. They've been doing without him the last couple of weeks. I think that's a huge upgrade. Really like Baltimore in this spot. What I like more is the under. I'm playing both. I got Baltimore minus three. I would probably still play it at four. Even though that's such a key number, I just feel like Chiefs win this game outright or Baltimore probably wins by double digits, and I'm going with the former. But the under, absolutely love it. I would also probably look to in-game live unders and potentially just second-half unders because that's when Kansas City defense is at their best. I could see both teams coming out a little bit conservative, but Baltimore – potentially scoring quickly, just breaking one off against the Chiefs rushing defense, which they have struggled at times this season. They've played better recently, but they still aren't 
you know, they're still middle of the pack. But in the second half, they really just clamped down, make these adjustments at halftime, and they've just been absolutely incredible the last two weeks. They were first in the NFL this year in second half points allowed. In the last two weeks, they've allowed seven points to arguably two of the better offenses in the NFL in the second half. Granted, you know, that Miami game in Kansas City, that was kind of just over. I feel like the Dolphins were completely defeated, but to hold Buffalo to seven points in the second half on the road in such a hostile spot, I think that's just incredible. I really, really like the under. I like it way more than I like the side. But, yeah, I, I am going Baltimore, and I'm I'm going the under. Yeah, so, you know, just lastly on this game, like, if you like Baltimore and the under, sounds like you think that this, like, defense for Baltimore, and, and obviously there is a defense that could suffocate Mahomes. It would be this one. So it, it would lead me to think, too, like, and obviously we'll reconvene in a couple of weeks and talk Super Bowl. But, you know, you seem to be of the mindset here that, like, this is a Baltimore defense that's just so good on top of the fact that Lamar's probably the MVP that, like, going off of what I was saying about how, well, maybe the Ravens are just that much better than everybody else. Like, you think there's a possibility we're in for a bit of a snoozer of a Super Bowl? No, I was kind of thinking that, you know, it was – Honestly, I was considering just going Baltimore to win the Super Bowl. Now it's probably like plus 180 now. Just, but you're still going to get them as an underdog when the Niners probably inevitably win. But yeah, could we see one of those Super Bowls that's kind of a blowout, which we've seen several of those in the past, and this could certainly be one of them. And that's probably why you need to you know, load up on player props as well, because when these get out of hand and everyone's, you know, going for extra snacks and drinks and we're trying to enjoy every last second of football, you need something to sweat. So just player props, live in-game <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I think this could be Baltimore's year. Just feels like they're significantly better. You're talking to somebody that lost the infamous Mahomes rushing prop on all the kneel downs in the Super Bowl when they played San Francisco. I don't know, please. So, oh, my that was God. one of those one that interesting. Like we cannot get into too. this more when the Super Bowl hits, but it's, it, it's the only sport. It's the only game, excuse me, where you have props just widely available for two weeks. And, and that Mahomes one, man, it got hit hard to the unders. And um, it, you had to get in early, and and it's the the Super Bowl is the only game where we see that kind of movement on props. Yeah, I think that's more interesting than looking at you know sides and totals in the Super Bowl because that's going to be absolutely beaten into your brain after two weeks of watching you know anything on TV. You're going to hear everything about sides and totals, but watching the prop market and things that'll shift you know like ten to fifteen yards over a couple days. It's just, it's really entertaining to see. And then, you know, you get the best of a number and it comes down to a couple kneel downs at the end of the game. Like, how the fuck do they come up with some of these lines? Uh, one other thing I will say on that, you mentioned about the kind of sharpness of the markets with the sides and totals. Uh, what You do see this a lot in marquee championship football games. And I'm pretty sure it happens in basketball, too where 
in a decisive, you know, obviously every game would be a decisive clinching game in football because the playoff rounds are just one and done. But like, let's say, for example, the Lions upset the 49ers and then it's the Lions Baltimore. That number is probably over a touchdown on a neutral in favor of Baltimore. Um, I could be wrong. Maybe it's around, you know, six and a half, six. So actually, those lines are up, right? Aren't there already like hypothetical lines being posted? Yeah, I was going to say it's probably around like four or five. Here, I'll bring them up right now, hypothetical. But the point I was going to make I'm sorry? Three and a half. Wow. Lions would only be plus three and a half against the Ravens on neutral field. I think that would speak to if they somehow overcome as a touchdown. Oh, right. Then it's like upgrade. Yeah. But but the point I was going to make is what you'll see is like on the dog, they always shade the money line less than they normally would because people are going to come in and bet the money line if they like the dog and they're not even going to bother taking the point. So like just generally speaking on a dog of north of three in the Super Bowl, the money line is a bad bet. Yeah, so you're saying just just take them instead of... I'm saying, like, if you like the dog, you should always take the points in the Super Bowl. Instead of the money, especially some of these, if, you know, you get three in the hook, I, I definitely agree with that. Right, but, you know, the like, value, if it yeah. is three and a half, like, the corresponding money line is usually what? Like, plus 155, plus 160? Yeah, you're it's saying like it's not equated the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the Super Bowl. Like, it's an intentional strategy to for the book to short people a couple you know a couple cents over millions of dollars that's that's significant exactly anyway let's talk about those motor city kitties as the lions are a touchdown dog on the road against the san francisco 49ers total of 51 and a half and you know alex before we get into the game a little bit i a former co-worker of mine is from detroit and will be at the nfc championship game and i love hearing stories like this uh he is uh he works in Chicago now and his his dad's driving from Detroit to Chicago and they're flying out together. But uh he, he you know and obviously it was significantly cheaper to fly out of Chicago to San Francisco than out of Detroit for the weekend. But he told me that uh Detroit is a Delta hub and Delta added a Detroit like they don't often, you know, like they don't go to San Francisco direct regularly. But they added Detroit to San Francisco just for this game because it's the man <laughs> traveling. Genius. I just love hearing stuff. I love like that. it. It's good, good marketing too. You know, that's good customer awareness, and they probably will get a ton of people doing that. Right, because like think about how many people are like, you know, Delta really hooked me up and added this flight. So exactly, I'm a, I'm a business. Delta customer for life now. After that, especially right. if Detroit wins, you'll remember that very fondly forever. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Lions catching seven total, 51 and a half. Uh, some trends here. Unfortunately, no cover for us last week, but that was the first non-cover at home under Kyle Shanahan in the playoffs. Niners five and zero straight up four and one ATS uh, under Shanahan at home in the playoffs. Um, and also, uh, we talked a little bit about this uh, before we jumped on with Debo Samuel. Uh, pretty important player, and I think that kind of goes without saying with the way the Niners run their offense. Short passes, they move him around, use him in the backfield. Uh, last 13 games, Debo has started and finished. The Niners are 12-1 and straight up, 10-3 and ATS. But in the last five games, he did not start and finish. 
They are one in four AT, excuse me, one in four straight up and zero in five against the spread. So, a pretty impactful player for them, uh, which again makes sense given the way they run their offense, getting the ball out of Purdy's hands fast. Debo being a shifty, dynamic playmaker who you just want to get in space in any way you can. That said, it does look like uh, the receiver out of North Carolina, excuse me, South Carolina is trending towards playing limited participant on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the entire cap, isn't it? Whether he goes or not, because that would certainly sway me. And it's interesting they've been calling it a shoulder injury. It certainly looked like a head injury, but we all know that concussions don't really exist in the playoffs after you saw Matt Stafford get absolutely rocked. I mean, he was yeah. clearly unconscious and so fucked up. And then they called that a rib injury and he came back the next series. So head injuries don't exist. I, I don't think it's a matter of if he goes. I think it's a matter of how effective he is. But I still want to know that he's going to start and play before I take either of these. And I think. You know, side and total, I, I think, are significantly impacted by him being in the lineup. And I'm not talking in terms of lines. Like, I don't see this going down to, like, nine or six, six and a half or something if he's announced a full participant. I just think him being on the field completely flips the entire game. Yeah, so I I do like – and I'm I'm kind of just playing the number, but 51 and a half seems a bit high. So I went under that number. 51 is a key number for total. So I think if you can get 51 on the hook, you're best served to do it. Uh, there are obviously concerns about this Lions defense. We have seen teams down the stretch of the regular season and in the playoffs, for that matter, go up and down the field on them with uh, quite a bit of success. Just look at the last two weeks. The Rams, I think, put up over 400 total yards, looked like. It was going to be their game if they could just convert some of those field goal drives into touchdowns. Just not good enough for the red area was L.A. Tampa had quite a bit of success offensively, obviously scored 23. Um, and, you know, if they get the two point conversion there at the end, they cover and it's 25. But can you tell us a rough division weekend for me? I mean, had the Bucks plus six and a half Ravens first half. Uh, Houston scores a special teams touchdown. Uh Full game under, they kick a late field goal in the Houston-Baltimore game to push that over. Um, it was brutal. And all San Fran was a wrong fairly, side, though. I mean, they weren't really close. Yeah, I would say three pretty miserable beats and then one that was just a shit pick. You know, I can admit that Niners were never the correct side. It just felt way too obvious getting 10 points. I thought it was a you know overreaction to, to Green Bay beating up on a – Dallas team that's just never ready. So I, I will admit that was a terrible read. But the other ones, I think, were definitely right side, wrong result, which ultimately, you know, leave you with zero dollars. But you can feel a little better about it. <laughs> so anyway, while I understand that the Detroit defense has allowed some teams to move the ball down the field on them, I think what the entire game comes down to in terms of the total is Detroit's ability to tackle because what did we see last week from San Francisco? And I think last week, and and you were on this like all the time in the regular season. You know, I feel like every time we would handicap the Niners game, you'd say, well, 
you know, this might be the week where Purdy just shits himself. And, you know, it happened against the Ravens, obviously. And I don't think he looked good at all against Green Bay. And, th- yeah, they hit the big play to Kittle for the first touchdown. But I think what you saw for the most part, I mean, there were, there were a couple times where the Green Bay linebackers missed some tackles on McCaffrey and he shook loose. But what you saw for the most part from San Francisco was an offense that wants Purdy to be a glorified game manager and get the ball out of his hands quickly and just say, Debo, as we talked about, Ayuk, CMC, take care of the rest. And so if if Detroit can, you know, linebackers and defensive backs can rally to the football and limit the yards after catch, I think that in and of itself makes me like the game under 51 and a half because what that then results in San Francisco, even if the Niners are moving the ball down the field, you're limiting the big plays. And so the scoring drives are taking longer and more time off the clock. Uh, And I sure don't think Detroit is going to, I mean, they were in the twenties against the Rams. They did get 31 on Tampa, but I sure don't think Detroit gets up over 24, let's say here. So I think what it just comes down to is if Detroit can tackle enough and, you know, 24 might be a bit high for them, but if it, even if they already get that, if they can just only hold San Fran to 27, you know, then we're still in at that key of 51 and a half or under by the hook. So really, I'm just asking the Lions defense to, if you're going to allow points, also make San Francisco chew up the clock. So that's what this comes down to. I'm betting on Detroit to tackle well enough in this game, because if they do, then I don't see how San Francisco gets more than four touchdowns, uh, which makes me think that, uh, you know, it it, it should definitely stay under because, you know, Tampa's defense isn't bad. Rams got some players on defense, but this is obviously a big step up uh, for Detroit uh, facing this Niners defense. And so um, not totally confident that they're going to first. And remember, those games were at home against Tampa and the Rams that they scored. This is the I think it's I think I saw a stat about I think it's like the third game outside that the Lions have played all season um, with the other two being Lambeau and Chicago. And we know uh, and, we know golf in the outdoors. I did look up the, the weather. Right. The weather doesn't look that bad. It looks perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So and golf's a northern California guy. So it shouldn't be the right, same. It should be like, comfortable. Right. It's not like the same. Like we were on the Bears in that game in Chicago. Like it's not the same in that regard. But I still think between facing a better defense and playing outside enough, it should keep the Lions in the low 20s, I think. And so it just comes down to Detroit's defense being able to tackle well enough. Yeah, and this is a Detroit defense that's one of the best rushing defenses in the NFL. So that puts a lot more pressure on Purdy. When you don't have that ground game going super well, I think you could see some incompletions. I think you could see a lot more punts. I'm looking at San Francisco, their team totals over under 29 and a half. So maybe you get, you know, like a 29-20. And obviously that's right there, but that's certainly under. It feels like the, the ceiling for the Lions is about 20 and the ceiling for the Niners is about 30. Obviously, that's why the total is 51. But I think there is some value here. I think the Lions are going to be able to stop the ground game a bit. Obviously, as much as you can against McCaffrey. You know, limiting him to like 80 yards and a touchdown is probably a success. So 
you know, he's not breaking these long runs out. It's more established drives. And then I think this goes fairly comfortably under. I think Goff will have some success, but I think that pass rush of the Niners can do a great job of getting to him. We saw they had a ton of pressure against the Packers. They just weren't really getting those sacks. And Goff is one of the least mobile quarterbacks in the NFL. I think those sacks are going to come, which also lends well to an under, you know, keep that clock always moving, especially when they're going to be throwing the ball a ton. So sacks are definitely your friend. I'll probably get there with you as well. I don't think I can really do anything with the, with the side. You could really talk me into either. Yeah, You know, getting a touchdown is is obviously a bunch of points, as we saw last week with Green Bay, very competitive. The Niners haven't really put together a full game in quite some time. So is this the time they finally do so? I'm not not too sure. But, you know, a couple bad turnovers by Detroit on, you know, a ton of pressure up the middle. Get Goff to sack fumble or throw a bad interception in this this could get out of hand, but I'm I'm with you on the under. I just can't really do anything with this total. Alex, before we get out of get out of Dodge, excuse me. Um, I have a pretty clear vested rooting interest in both these games because, as an Eagles fan, both the Chiefs and the 49ers have caused me uh, quite a bit of frustration in the last couple of years, and so I am very much rooting. While my position is on the Chiefs plus the points very much rooting against Kansas City and against San Francisco. So I would very much like a Baltimore Lions Super Bowl, but I would just be dreading a rematch of Chiefs Niners from a few years ago. I know you're a Steelers guy, so I would, you know, I don't know where you are on the whole Taylor Swift. Does it make you root against the Chiefs thing? (laughs) I'm I'm torn. No, I don't care at all about the Taylor Swift thing. I think that's fucking bullshit. People get annoyed, but I am torn as a Steelers fan because I like to watch the Ravens lose, but I also want to make money betting them. And I do have a bunch of friends from Baltimore being that it's, you know, an hour, hour and a half north of me. So it's not, not terribly far. And then I do have a Lions Super Bowl ticket, 18 to one, but also I don't want to see a shitty Super Bowl where either of these AFC teams just absolutely dog the Lions. Yeah. You know, I will sacrifice my. So you my think it could it? be that? Because I mean, we did see the Lions go to Baltimore and get their ass kicked. Just get destroyed, and then I think the Chiefs are, you know, on par to beat up on the Lions if they somehow made yeah, it out of like this. At that point, okay, they just won at Buffalo and at Baltimore. Detroit on a neutral field's nothing. Yeah, with you know an extra week to rest and prep against. And, like, what kind of prep is Dan Campbell doing, aside from hoping his coordinators, who are now, you know, rumored to be potential hires for— I'd be very curious to see with the Lions what happens after they lose their coordinators, especially Ben Johnson, who's, like, very highly regarded and it sounds like going to get the command. Some offensive guru. Like, what does Dan Campbell do? I know he was tight end, so offensive guy, but he's just—he's a fucking rah-rah guy. Like, more than Tomlin. Like, Tomlin actually— yeah, he's Pass, White you know, Tomlin people. with, like, probably less of a <laughs> football more, Exactly. Lower <laughs> IQ and just more raw. He's yeah. way more hyped up. I think he just Dude, gets the boys buzzing. Vintage raw Campbell was when, after the, fir- after the ineligible player shit against the Cowboys, five-yard penalty, 
he still goes for two, or it might have been 10 yards, but whatever. They were pushed back to the 12, I think it was. Yeah. Like still he, going for two. Did he not realize the situation, or he was still, like, just set, like, this is what we have to do. I'm not changing my mind. And he I, feels like a guy that can make. I feel like he's just stubborn and he isn't capable of making in-game adjustments or calls. He's like, just like so aggressive and just gutsy to a fault, probably. But it's by the fun. Way, it's funny you mentioned that. Talking about this with some buddies last week watching the games. Have you ever seen, regardless of the network, the analytics recommendation say to kick? You're saying it's it's just but always it's, go. That, they put that graphic up, like, here's what the analytics say. Like Yeah. And and it's, it's like always fourth like fourth and five fewer go. go. For fourth and five <laughs> or less. Sixty one percent of the time you go for this or whatever. Like it always <laughs> says go for it. And I'm pro analytics, but I just think it's funny how like I've never seen that recommendation thing say hunter no, to kick a field goal. And for all we know, no one knows probably the secret sauce to their analytics. It's just some dude sitting there like, yeah, I'd probably go. And then he just types a percentage, like 55% go. All right, <laughs> let's just do it. You're, you're saying the, the like, network people just that the are the producer sitting there live just like, yeah, fuck it. Let's say <laughs> it 62% go. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. They're not, they in other words. Numbers. The network producers aren't crunching the numbers on when to go for and when not to. No, it's just exactly people doing for them. (laughs) It's just arbitrary and they're just making it up. It's like that ESPN win percentage. Oh, they're up 10, 89% win. And then the team somehow loses. Oh, dude, that one is always, that one is like when I'm ever, I'm looking at a game on the ESPN GameCast. it could be like a three or seven point lead. And the team with the leads, like, 65 70 percent to win and there's like 10 minutes left i'm like yeah it's like where are they getting they just completely like count out teams like they haven't watched it's like a computer that just has never watched a sport before yeah well this is over there's like 12 minutes left it's 12 minutes left there's no way this game goes to overtime (laughs) right this shit's over turn it off 85 percent it's a blowout All right, well, that'll wrap things up for us, keeping it a little short and sweet today. A little bit of it, we'll see who wins on the side uh, in the AFC game. Alex on the under in the AFC game. I like the under in the NFC game. And, uh, yeah, Alex, good point. That time of year, you got to start hitting the prop market a little bit more if you're more of a traditionalist like I am when it comes to the NFL and likes to just bet the sides and the totals. Good stuff, my man. Enjoy championship Sunday. And we'll talk again in two weeks for the Super Bowl. Yeah, man. Best of luck. Talk to you later. All right. He's Alex Uplinger at full underscore slate underscore pod. Manages the podcast account. I'm Greg Frank at Undercover Greg on gambling Twitter. Everybody enjoy Championship Sunday. We'll talk to you in two weeks. This has been Full Slate, a podcast by Degenerates for Degenerates. And, of course, please play responsibly.